Hello. Welcome to another a very special episode. Oh, God, is it that? <laughs> is it that special? I, it's. It's welcome to our inevitable. We have <laughs> sadly decided that we talk about movies now, and as such, yeah. we have to have a Joker opinion. Joker's trick. I'm the Joker, baby. I'm, uh, I'm the Joker. Oh God, I'm so fucking tired of the Joker. I, I didn't think I could get more tired of the Joker, but here I am, having yeah. watched the movie. See, seeing normal people be like, "All right, I'm a little tapped out on the Joker now," is is very it's it's very like alarming. I want to say it's. I just to get this out of the way, my sincerest thought on Joker, oddly enough, the best review of it I've I have seen so far is uh, Felix Biederman of Chapo Trap House, mm-hmm. where he cur- he just says he's like this is like Joker is usually a reflection of like the time period, and this movie is the perfect reflection of that because it's loud and everyone's yelling about it, and we're gonna forget about it in two months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then he's like, but it's a complete. There's nothing in this movie otherwise. Like, there's just nothing to really take away from this film other than people are arguing about it. Yeah. And that's how I feel. I feel like, fuck this movie. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's not even, like, bad enough to be just bad. It's just, yeah. it's nothing. It's just a movie that I have to have an opinion on now. Yeah, I, I have a very sort of staunchly, uh, I guess, kind of complicated uh, view of this movie. Um, but ultimately, like, prior to sitting down, the mood the mood is just, like, Man, it just sucks that we have to think so hard about something that was thought about so not at all. <laughs> uh, like, with with regard to just, like, the script and this movie, really just kind of being part of this sort of Todd Phillips career arc of doing Scorsese fan art. You know what explains this movie? I was reading up a little bit on um, some of Todd Phillips' filmography. He's most famous for making The Hangover and, yeah, like, old, old school. school. Yeah. Uh, but before that... The kind of stuff he got to start doing was he did like a documentary about Gigi Allen. Yeah, that was his first thing. Yeah, and it's like the second I learned, I was like, oh, that makes sense. You're like trying to you're trying to go back to when you were like you thought you were like yeah. the coolest shit <laughs> because you knew who Gigi Allen was. Yeah, I really want us to take time this episode to dissect sort of the the Todd Phillips, the enigma of Todd Phillips, uh, and and how much he's been kind of talked about um, to kind of. I guess I guess structure it about like the movie. Uh, my feeling is, the, the way I feel about this movie is the way that the therapists in this movie feel about Joaquin Phoenix's character, which is like, I strangely enough like, I I I get what I get what you're saying, and I like feel like I feel like I understand what you're trying to say, and I am desperate for. A sense of pragmatism. This movie looks like a duck and it walks like a duck as far as like stylistically. I, I don't necessarily have too many problems with how it looks and how it like the professionalism of the production. Uh, but I strongly like want it want us to focus on like the writing and kind of what's yeah. being said. I feel like there's a lot in the actual like like the choices in the film, like visually, stylistically, acting, yeah. me, um, <laughs> that really shows its hand in the fact that this is uh, a movie by a man trying to make another movie, but for a major franchise intellectual property. Yeah. Um, but where it all comes down is that the script is 
unfucking filmable. <laughs> yes. The the script is like there are so many things where it's like there are parts of this film where I'm like this is almost good. Right. And then like but you can see like what it's I I, I talked about this a lot actually with people about this is how I feel about like Joaquin Phoenix's performance is I think he's I do think he's doing the best he could possibly do with this character, mm-hmm. but then there are so many lines and like scenes where I'm like there's no way to perform this that makes you look like a good actor. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no way to deliver this line and not have it be just absolute dog shit. It's it's the same problem like Robert Pattinson playing Edward Cullen has. Yeah. Where it's it's like he or or like uh Christine Stewart playing Bella or Mm-hmm. Um, Megan Fox playing the Transformers girl where it's like it has nothing to do with how good of an actor or actress you are it's just that what you're given is fucking nothing <laughs> yeah and I mean it's a it's a little bit of a complicated uh, thing because I, I feel like something to talk a little bit about Joaquin Phoenix's performance I think he brings a lot of compassion to toward like the role of the character and I think that a lot of what he does is very like studied and smart uh almost to the point where he kind of has thought about it more than the writers did um and i i strongly feel like a lot of the choices were kind of made sense the laughing thing felt like kind of tonally fine for like a movie for like a comic book movie yeah the the lap so there's like a lot of things that i kind of like yeah i hate talking about because it sounds like nitpicky but they're all decisions that to me kind of cumulate in this feeling of like a a weird weird dissonant movie mm-hmm. um with like joaquin's laugh thing it's i'm pretty sure it's just supposed to be tourette's basically because like yeah it's, like it, it's very reminiscent yeah and it's like it's like that's like a very like you know they constantly talk around it where it's like oh it's a neurological condition where he like will start laughing and he can't stop and it has nothing to do with like the situation stress obviously makes it worse and it's like oh those are all like that all tracks for like Tourette's and I feel like that like the decision was made at some point to not call it Tourette's because they were afraid audiences were too stupid to know that Tourette's <laughs> isn't just saying swear words. That's fair, yeah. And it's like but, that kind of a decision to be made in a movie like this is like, that feels like the ultimate, kill, like, like not the ultimate, but it's like that's just like one of the many pieces in this film where it's like, that is a decision that was made that betrays how little respect this movie has for you. <laughs> I, I would counter-argue that to say that I, I think I think the laughing thing it's definitely like reminiscent of Tourette's. It reminds the viewer of Tourette's. And at the same time, it kind of is this weird sort of plot str- springboard. I almost kind of like it in a way because it provides a plot springboard for Joaquin Phoenix to do his like laugh crying performance thing. Those um, are, and those are good. I like, those are good I, I do moments. like those. I like those moments. Yeah. Uh, because like that's it's like that's ultimately the thing that I think. I don't think that this is a bad movie. I don't think this is a good movie. I think that there are a lot of, I think it's a complicated and muddled movie. Um, and there is a lot of like strong and smart thoughts here. Uh, and I think that like the writing is way oversimplified in a way that every character, especially every side character feels really didactic and really comic booky. And maybe that's the point or maybe it's on accident. Who can say, but I think that the moment-to-moment performance aspect of Joaquin Phoenix, like, having to kind of hurdle over this, uh, having to kind of hurdle over all of these sort of mental blocks and, like, uh, ticks and things like that, 
Like, I know real people like that. And yeah. I know real people who go through that shit. And something, and I'm sorry that I'm, like, rambling no, about no, no, mental no, no, illness. No. That's kind of what this movie, whole movie is. But, like, I remember reading a lot about, like, school shooters. Uh, because I, I think a lot of people... <laughs> I'm really edgy and twisted. No, but, like, I, I, a lot of people really want to know about that psychology. And the thing that I came to find um, after reading a lot, a lot about, like, Eric Harris, Dylan Klebold, uh, Cho Senghui, uh, those types of people, is that they're very fucking stupid. <laughs> um, and they don't think about anything ever. Uh, and that is portrayed to a certain extent in Joker, where he is not really cognizant of the idea of, like, hey, there are other caretakers in the world who don't look like you, who have the same thoughts that you do of, like, man, this is my one life. Man, like, what am I going to do with myself? Like, I, I don't know. And and I think that this movie is aware of that, and it talks a lot about class solidarity, uh, which we'll also touch on. <laughs> but, um, like, there's something there's something to be said about the barrier of entry of, like, Joker is a stupid character in this movie. He's a stupid, dumb man. And also, that shouldn't really bar him from uh, necessarily, like, understanding and mental health resources and shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that That is one um, one of the few political messages I feel like this film has that, I, yes. I, that I, I think it is actually willing to, like, put its foot down and say as a message that I really liked. Um is the sort of construction of, uh, you know, there's a lot of ways in which, like, the, this time period that the film set in is because the movies it's aping were made in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like it's an intentional way in which it's borrowing the memories and, like, what we now see as the effects of Margaret Thatcher yeah. and uh, Ronald Reagan and austerity programs and specifically uh, with regards to mental health. And, like, that's a very major key point, plot point in the film is that, like, one of the few scenes where, like, him and his therapist aren't butting heads is when she's, like, listen. She's, like, the thing I need to tell you is that, like, they're cutting social services because they don't give a shit what happens to you and they don't give a shit what happens to me. Yeah. So that's a, that's a crucial moment. Yeah. And I thought that was, like, I actually, like, really, really liked that scene. And I kind of wish that they kind of, like, investigate more of this. I don't know if it's going to be, like pull out more of this idea of like Joker is is being offered these moments of solidarity mm-hmm. and is essentially like not not recognizing that that's what they are. Yeah. You know, he he is seeing his therapist as somebody whom he has this adversarial relationship with when she's like, "Listen, I don't want like I don't want to not have the resources to help you either. I just don't have the resources to help you. Like I can't do anything. Yeah. I have a checklist that I have to run down that is guaranteed to fail so that when it fails you, then my job gets cut. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's kind of why I'm not ready to throw out this movie with, you know, like entirely it, is that like it has those moments where like Joker Joker like pr- his primary victims are like rich rich guys on the train who harass him. Uh Robert De Niro as Jay Leno. Robert De Niro as Jay Leno. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> and and like his coworker who fucked him over and then and his mom. And and his mom, yes, which which oh my god is a whole other thing, uh, but like I yeah I don't know it, it's hard for me to feel like this is oh and the the cop and the cop I forget the cop is also one of the people who gets god. either killed or See, like seriously injured that's why that's why I didn't hate this movie because like you know everyone like no one like 
not a lot of women really die. Not a lot of bad stuff really happens. Like, yeah, yeah th- that that means something to me, I guess. I don't know. And, and, and for what and for what it's worth, like even like the one woman who dies um, as, as someone who is also I even like recently leading up to Joker happened to get in at the library um, this book about the psychology of mass shooters and essentially like analyzing like what is like going wrong in our larger culture that it's causing this. Yeah. Um, and essentially, like, one of the main things that the author comes from it is that, like, historically, suicide is a very political action, has been used as a very political action. But now that we're in a essentially time in which political action has been completely neutered, mm-hmm. suicide becomes suicide by mass murder. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting piece. But, like, that's the thing is, like, they, they, it's, like that's a, a small thing that is, like, yeah, like, mass killers, mass shooters oftentimes start by killing their care- their primary caregivers or their primary parents. That's really interesting. It's like it's like a really weird like commonality in that, and I feel like that's part of the reason why they the movie sort of dick bumbles its way into having a reason for him to kill his mother. Yeah, <laughs> which like the whole thing the whole thing with his mom is is like a really it, it's it's a realistically depicted like mental illness obfuscation of what's actually happening. But I also wish it wasn't in the movie. Like yeah, so. Here's the thing that I thought the movie was going to do, and I think they just put it in there as, like, an Easter egg so that they could say it in interviews and sound really smart and cool. Yeah. Um, When he gets the documents, uh, if you notice, the document that says that he's adopted says that the adoption source is unknown, Mm. which means that there's no, like, paperwork to prove that he was adopted other than just they wrote down that he was adopted and that's where he came from. Hmm. But she didn't adopt him from, like, an orphanage or anything. Right. So there's, like... So that, to me, was, like, sort of an attempt to, like, oh, like, I, I thought what they were going to, because I saw that, and I was like, oh, they're going to go in a direction where it's, like, something is going to be introduced where he is wholeheartedly buying this official story about his mother, but something is going to be introduced which causes a tension where it's, like, your mom might actually not be lying. Like, the, it might actually be that there is, in fact, a cover-up to basically disappear away a woman who yeah. is inconvenient. Uh, and then they just don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then it just it goes to the next scene and he kills her. And then, like, that's the end of the mom's plot line. Yeah. And it has a lot it has a lot to say with, like, the grief of just being sort of, like, huge quotes around this lied to, for like, per se. Or, like, and, and I think it's it sort of touches or, like, it nudges toward this capitalist obfuscation of, like, political obfuscation of information that is just being shoveled out into the world all the time, every single day, uh, which is... A lot of what this movie's about. Way, uh, Joker's mom <laughs> seeing uh, Batman's dad on TV yes. and him being like, we're giving money to the people who died's families because it sucks that they died. Uh, and her being like, see, he said, like, all employees are family. He'll support us. And, and I, her being, like, sneering about it. Like, he does care. Yeah. And, like, so I saw that and I was like, oh, that's actually kind of clever because it's like we, the audience, uh, can can discern here that the difference between her and the three people who got shot and killed is that the three who got shot and killed contribute to capital. Yeah. <laughs> and that she just cleaned his fucking toilet. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and also this, like, weird... That whole plot point having this weird kind of interplay between, like, the way... the Like, Bruce Wayne's father being, like, is he literally family? Is he, like... What, what does family mean? Yeah. Like, why isn't he... Is he obligated to be there to support them? He definitely is because he's like a fucking. He made money off of this family's back, literally. Yeah. Uh, like all all of that stuff, and and the way that that played into uh, 
Joker's sort of internal monologue, I, I, I kind of thought would, like, was good to have there. Um, so yeah. Yeah, complicated movie. I don't know. I wish... The, I, there's no way to deliver the line, though. I thought my life was a tragedy, but now I know it's a comedy. <laughs> uh, right before you kill your mom? Impossible. Literally impossible to act that scene no, yeah. <laughs> as a human. Yeah, just... Uh, so, Joaquin... Not for people. You probably shouldn't have given your best on that one. <laughs> probably should have just fucking phoned it in. There was no point. Worked worked hard. Working hard or hard... Acting hard or hardly acting. Uh, yeah. Do you think if the Joker had a better haircut, he would have been better off? Uh, I think if he just had the power of positive thinking and if he drank some water. Yeah, you know, he really should have just, like... He should have, like, exercised more. He should have. I, I feel like that. if he, like, you know, I'm sure, you know, a lot oh, of no, apartments. Running after those kids was exercise. Oh, well, I mean, a lot of apartments now have, like, you know, like, like little, like, uh, like home gyms yeah, in them. Yeah, like, like rec he, rooms. Yeah, like, he should, he should see if his apartment has something like that. Like, I yeah. bet just, like, you know, just doing 20 minutes on an elliptical, like, before he heads off to work. Yeah. Uh, to get beat up by children. <laughs> uh, I think it would have done a lot for him. I mean, like, doesn't he have a gym membership? Like, can he just, like, kind of go to the sauna or, like, you know, just go swimming. Go yeah. go swimming in the lake. Um, but for him to kind of, like, blame his mom for all of these problems is, like, that's accurately megalomaniacal. And also, like, we maybe, maybe we need to not have a shot of a newspaper, like, feeding his delusions about that. Yeah. Because, because like, it's one thing to portray the Joker character perceiving his mother as having lied to him. It's another to have a newspaper clipping that says, local mom lies to son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> local mom tells boy, big lie. <laughs> local mother betrays son's trust. Which, like, like what the fuck? Like, it, that's that was the writing moment where I was like... The, the scene I where see- she's... At the police station having been arrested. And the police are just like, here's everything that you did wrong that we are saying in a completely unnatural way. Like, well, you have narcissistic personality disorder and your son is a very good boy that you do not treat well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, like, that that makes give me a little bit of pause about this, about the like intentions of this movie um well and the thing the thing is like my my thesis with regards to analyzing this movie is mm-hmm. that it is borrowing a lot of better ideas from better movies Big and time. it's trying to make a mainstream product version of that but because its primary interest is a mainstream product version of that it ends up cutting out it ends up rounding those things down in a way where like yeah it leads to these weird ambiguities of like what do you like what yeah <laughs> Like, do you understand this issue, Mr. Todd? Yeah, Mr. like, are, Todd you, are you just, did you just include this because it's in Taxi Driver? Like, yeah. what is, like, what are you doing with this scene? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's like, it feels a little bit like the main character in Taxi Driver wrote a movie, <laughs> as, as opposed to more like Taxi Driver fan art. Like, the scene at the end, um, I, I think I was on board with a lot of the movie, like, for, the, like, a lot of the beginning, uh, like, first 75% of the movie, I want to say, uh, and then the scene where he's talking to Robert De Niro, like, and just laying out, like, oh, I don't believe in anything. I'm a nihilist. Uh, this is what happens when a man is abandoned by society. Blah, blah, blah. And it, just talking. Yeah. And just, like, saying shit that you believe that doesn't really square up with the rest of what happened in the f- extremely political movie. Like, it w- like 
it was very political for those rich white guys on the train to want to fuck with you. Yeah. It was very political. The audience, the, 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 the fact that it's then shown that like, oh, we're in a weird situation where the media and the, the police are trying to be like, you guys should feel bad that these people died. And everyone yeah. is like, we don't like fuck those guys. Yeah, really. Like the, the, the sort of weird for he it's almost like the character forgets like he obviously doesn't forget that he's like off his meds and just has absolutely no support like that's a really big part of the plot but it's treated like the sources of like trauma and insanity are are like i had a i had a bunch of uh i the character of joker had a bunch of delusions and there's now there's no one around to kind of bring me back to reality so these delusions are real now. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I will say that, like, and I, I don't know if this is maybe research in the writing or research that Joaquin brought to the character, um, but, like, the the sort of vague gesture towards severe mental illness that they have, uh, the kinds of ones that would fall into the categories, uh, a very common symptom of them is lack of insight, is mm-hmm. what it's called, which is essentially just, like, um, it's, uh, I think it's called a negative symptom where it's like you lose the ability to do something. And with that one, it's you lose the ability to recognize that you have a mental illness. So you think everyone else, it's literally a, you think everyone else is crazy because they don't see what you see. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, and interesting. I, I assume that at the very least, that's what Joaquin was trying to bring to the character is this idea of like Joker. Cause like he, there's the line where he's like, Oh, I'm off my meds and I actually feel better than ever. And it doesn't come off as he's like, I'm given into the madness. It comes off to, to me as like, Oh, he's unaware that like, he thinks that the problem was that he was on medication. And now that he's off them, he feels better. Cause I've known people with like a variety of mental illnesses where it's like, that's a thing where it's like, yeah, they go off their medication and for a short while they're like, Oh, I feel way better. The problem was the medication. Yeah. But like the problem is now that you're in a fucking manic episode. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's, it, that's what I took it as like, he's having manic episodes, some sort of, some sort of like mental health thing that is taking away his ability to recognize that it's a mental health thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I appreciate the movie going, like, pr- decently granular into those aspects. Uh, I think that, well, for one, if, if, if you're looking for uh, the same movie but better, uh, I would actually recommend Christine. Um, it, oh, yeah, yeah. You're it, telling me about that. Yeah, it, it leans a little bit exploitative in the later parts of the movie, I want to say. But uh, I think it provides, like, a really compelling, uh, like, portrait of sort of, like, mental illness and isolation and how that intersects with like work-life balance type stuff uh and because because i think that joker like kind of wants to point at those things and kind of wants to give like the cliff notes idea of like therapy social services work Uh, we 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 live in a society that is failing us (laughs) yeah but it doesn't want to actually write those things it doesn't it doesn't want to it doesn't want to take I feel like the film tries to be very Rorschach test approach to political ideology yeah. where it's like it wants its stand-ins for bad and good to be just an amalgamation of traits enough that whatever you stand on those issues, you're going to read them as it, mm-hmm. which is an, it's an aesthetic choice itself. But I feel like in this case with the movie, it's an attempt not out of like an aesthetic choice, but it's an attempt out to make it mass appeal. Yeah. It, it doesn't want to say dishonest. anything. Yeah. It doesn't want to say anything that will make someone be like, well, I disagree with that because I agree with the bad guy. It's, I disagree with the bad guy because they say things that remind me of people I disagree with. Yeah. Um, 
big time. Like it, it, I think the biggest moment of that is looking at the resist signs that are kind of like stylized in this weird sort of almost Nazi-ish, like, like, I don't know. It just, it's, it's, I, I kind of knew that this was going to be happening going in when I started seeing so many takes where people like the bad guy, like the protesters are Antifa or like the protesters are like Hillary Clinton resistance or like. Seeing different takes were like, oh, the bad guy says this thing and it's like what Hillary said or the bad guy said this thing and it's like what Trump said. And I'm like, that tells me that, like, the movie is gesturing. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> but is specifically avoiding, like, making parallels. Absolutely. And it, I don't think, like, a lot of people I don't think are, I, I, I'm a little bit. I'm I kind of go back and forth on whether I'm interested in talking about how media like affects people because I think that that's beside the point. Uh, like especially that's kind of partially what this movie's talking about because there's bigger things at play than just like is someone watching Joker and going out and shooting people. Like no, yeah. But is some is like people are like feeling isolated certainly, and I and people are like experiencing like difficult mental illness that they're not getting any support for uh in in the large scale um i just yeah the the lack of focus is really kind of concerning uh which i guess brings us to todd should we yeah. talk about todd i said so i, I we talk about todd one st- i want to take one step back sure. to me a great example of that and the idea of media influencing people is that like when they introduce joker it seems like he just got this idea into his head that he wants to do stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then at the same time, throughout the film, they keep, like, the film, it's, and, like, I don't know if this is supposed to be, like, Joker is lying or if this is supposed to be, like, the film just isn't consistent on it because it keeps waffling on whether or not, like, no, he's always loved to make people laugh. Or if it's, <laughs> like, no, he just, like, he just saw this on TV and was, like, I want to do that. Like, that'll be the answer to my problems and be loved by everyone. Because the way it's yeah. introduced is it seems like he's starting to be, like, oh, I want to be a stand-up comedian. And it's, like, that's, you know, that's, like, another thing where it's, like, it introduces an interesting concept, this idea of celebrity worship, this idea of, like, modeling yourself off of a performance because like media tells you it's not a performance but it yeah. is a performance 100% and then it just again it doesn't go anywhere like it doesn't really develop that idea further yeah it, it's a, it's a sort of analysis of how like how values are communicated and and how success is communicated and and i think that like both now and in kind of the 60s and 70s was like a really weird time for that uh because there aren't there aren't really a lot of like visible like th- there aren't really a lot of visible normal arcs of life for people like you can't just be a fucking farmer anymore really like you kind of you can you certainly can but like that's not available to most people yeah anymore. yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's uh kind of prohibitive so i don't know um but what it about did what, give us that great scene of him writing down uh, sex jokes always funny. Sex jokes, <laughs> and then like underlining it three times. <laughs> that I, I really hope that was just like fucking like ad libbed on stream. Like they were just like just write some things, and they saw that, and they're like, "That's funny. Get that. Yeah. Get that yeah. on camera." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Todd. Let's talk about Todd. Let's so, talk about the Todd in the room. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do, and like I do, kind of want to expand on my idea. I, I referred to the character of Joker as stupid, and I think I want to expand on that a little bit because i don't think he's stupid because of his lack to lack of access to mental health care or like the little notes that he scrawls uh it i i think that like 
stupid is certainly kind of an ableist term in 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 the general uh sense of it um but i also do see people who kind of their lack of clarity sometimes can tend to feel a little bit self-enforced and i feel that strongly when i look at like todd phillips's sort of uh response to the media yeah yeah uh and like the woke culture quote in, in particular is a little bit I, what's weird is that I saw the woke culture quote and I was like, that bastard, he knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. He is the Joker and he's pulling all our strings. <laughs> Cause I saw that and he was like, I, but the vibe I got from that was him being like, fuck, everyone's talking about this mass shooting thing. Uh, you know, actually there's a lot of people talking about my movie. <laughs> what if I was like, Ooh, this movie's dangerous and now everyone's got to go see it cause it's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's hard to say how much of that was like people just hoisting that perception onto the movie i before it came out i certainly had that perception of just like oh my god what loser is gonna fucking walk out of this movie and to, just like to be fair i i had that perception of this movie not because it was like the, what it was about but because it was a big movie and i'm just at a point in my life where anytime a movie's really big i'm like someone's gonna get fucking shot at one of these movies <laughs> yeah it could be fucking like i thought i i thought there was gonna be a mass shooting at the avengers like infinity war weekend because i was like ev- every fucking movie theater in america is packed with 300 people yeah it's yeah honestly for 12 hours a day like <laughs> <laughs> all day Star Wars coming soon. Uh, Star Wars. Oh, oh. <laughs> it was. It was also this like weird thing where I feel like his quote fed into the idea of his movie perpetuating that and not like because I think the original concerns because I remember when the FBI report about it first leaked was like less so about the movie itself and more so about like the common misperception that the original Aurora shooter was dressed as the Joker. Yeah. And so I think people were worried that he was going that that any potential mass shooter would be imitating uh James Holmes. Mm. And that's why that the, the Joker shooting would be or that's why the Joker would be a targeted film. And then at some point that just turned into like it's a dangerous movie and not like we live yeah. in a fucked up time where people imitate mass shooters. Yeah. Yeah, and and I I see how the messaging is really difficult for the media to be like the media is bad yeah like that's fucked up messaging uh and and to to kind (coughs) of to kind of like point the finger at a movie like this this is said by every like republican dipshit teenager but they're kind of right like to point the finger at a movie when you are defunding social services you are not building schools yeah you are building more prisons like you are doing this like and, and like a lot of these media corporations have like a stake in America being worse and then they turn around and tell us that oh like these big studios are making you crazy when it's like no bitch like Reaganomics made everyone fucking crazy yeah I know right it's god oh no that that was like the thing that was most frustrating about the entire discourse to me is because it's like yeah, you could, like, it's it's a love letter to Taxi Driver kind of thing. And Taxi Driver did expire uh, John Hinckley to shoot Reagan. One, good. Yeah. Two. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> good. Two, one, wish he aimed better. Two. <laughs> uh, but two, it's also just, it's like, this is like, I, I, I don't necessarily, but I think media in, can influence people. I don't buy into the idea that you can say, like, this movie caused this. Because the problem with that is just, like, media is massive. Yeah. And so are people's brains and the way people are going to interact with things are kind of outside of your control. We live in a, a, a post the Noid shooting 
Ye- fucking for like, real. Like, if the fucking Domino's Noid pizza ads can inspire a shooting, there's no fucking way for you to be able to predict what will cause it. Unless a movie ends with some Tyler Durden-ass bitch being like, turns to the audience, kill, <laughs> pull out your gun now. <laughs> <laughs> pull out, put on your 3D glasses, <laughs> take out your gun now. Uh, yeah, movies have changed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was such a weird like addition to the last uh well, to the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Which <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, these jokes are great. Uh, anyway, keep them in. Keep them in. <laughs> I will. I will. It's processing. We're literally processing. Uh, Listen, we have to go to movies a lot. This shit is on our mind constantly. We yeah. can make jokes about it. <laughs> We're allowed. So, so with regard to Todd, and I don't know how like. I, I I would say I don't know how comfortable I feel psychoanalyzing a, a complete stranger, but. Guess what? We're gonna. Yeah, yeah. That's what this movie is. That's what we, we do it all the Buddy, time on the show. It's fun. Yeah, that's what the show's <laughs> for. Uh, w- with regard to Todd, I, I I think there is kind of a little bit of a conspiracy that we have to touch toward, mm. which which you noticed. Uh, do you want me to do you want me to actually talk about this? Do yeah, no, talk about the cons- I I don't remember what conspiracy you're talking about. Okay. So I was like, yeah, no, please talk about it. So first and foremost, we know that we know of Todd from making uh, films like the Gigi Allen documentary and like shit like oh yeah, this old bit. school <laughs> and like all of the all of this other. So, uh, and Todd Phillips has a production company that, uh, I guess helped produce a movie about Nambla. Yes. He had a production company in the nineties when he was on his edgy boy phase. Uh, and of course being in the nineties, you got to talk about Gigi Allen and pedophilia. So he did it. He, he, his production company distributed a movie. Um, I can't remember the name of it offhand, but it's basically a movie about Nambla. There's a Gary Glitter song in this movie that Joker dances to. Yeah. Uh, while while walking down the steps. What I love is that he's walking down the steps, and then you see the cops behind him, and it's like, you guys want to stop him? No, you want to wait till the songs you paid for the you paid for the royalties of the song. You're gonna wait till it plays out. You got All wait. right, and then they're like, hey, <laughs> and then he runs away. Hey, fucker. What are you dancing to? Because like, you see them in the background like when he's like a fourth of the way down the steps and they yeah. don't call for him until he's at the bottom of the steps. Yeah. So my question that I would like to pose to you, Jay Bearhat, is are you ready to talk about Jeffrey Epstein in yet another episode <laughs> of King Critter's Processes? Is Todd Phillips on the Epstein flight line? Is Todd Phillips... Did Todd... Todd, did you know? Did you know Jeff? How was Jeff? What How was, was Jeff? he like? Yeah, what was he like? Uh... No, so so I think there is something that we have to bring up where there is like this duality between uh, m- people who are frustrated about their like class status and rich men, yeah, who want to get away with shit. So it's like, what is funny to me is that I would actually say Todd Phillips was more of a working class mass hero when he was just making Hangover movies. Yeah. And what I will put into the court as proof of that is that Chris Dorner said he was sad he wouldn't get to see Hangover 3 in his manifesto. Yeah. Which is like which, one of my favorite facts. Because like when I, That's like, really interesting in here. Yeah, no, it, it's a really interesting, like, I, I if you haven't read his manifesto before, I really recommend it. Not in a like radicalize yourself way. I mean, sure. Uh, <laughs> Why not? But but because it's like it's a really interesting document because it shows how much Chris Dorner was just a fucking normal dude. That is because really like the, it's literally in the middle of his manifesto. He just goes like, "Man, I guess I'll never get to see Hangover Part Three. Yeah. Damn, Todd. He addresses to Todd Phillips. Damn, Todd Phillips. You made some really fucking funny movies. Don't make a fourth one. You'll ruin the magic. <laughs> That's. Like, direct quote. He says, don't make a fourth one. I, 
I'm kind of like in part I'm wondering. He also talks about how hot Margaret Cho is in it. Well, that's he he like he just talks about some of his favorite actresses and he's like and you know what he's like I'll say it Margaret Cho's hot. It's like it's <laughs> it's like a really really interesting document because it really humanizes this sort of mythologized figure. For yeah. those for those who don't know, Chris Dorner is the L.A. police. Uh, he was like an L.A. Oh, police officer where. who basically. Uh, the second he joined was just exposed to just horrible corruption and then while trying to like, you know, be a good citizen about it and escalated up in the department, uh, basically was immediately like just busted down, torn down, had his life essentially ruined by the LAPD because he, he broke the unspoken rule that you don't rat your fellow police out. Mm -hmm. So he went on, he, he wrote a manifesto and went on cop killing spree. Yeah. There were, and there was like a a whole bunch of, I I think there was like a whole bunch of stuff about how like racist the police department was. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely a part of him. I think that's what he was actually exposing was like some like racist, like hate crimes that like the police were committing. It's, it's kind of an interesting predicament where like, and it, it makes me wonder whether that had any influence into the creation of Joker or like, anything like that because we have this mass shooter who's really cut from a really different cloth where he is shooting up as it were uh shooting upward uh as opposed to downward where like where his goal isn't mass it's not it's not mass killing it it is specifically like i am aiming this at people who specifically are in a position of power who have ruined my life yeah who I like people are unaware of like how bad it is. Yeah, people are unaware of like the injustices that I've like witnessed and blah blah blah, which is like you can, you can have very complicated feelings about uh, Chris Dorner. I kind of don't. Yeah, I feel like he was a normal good dude who got exposed to how legitimately evil police are. And if you're feeling complicated about it, he also was a Clinton Clinton head. Still with her. <laughs> Still with her. You know, he, he does give a shout out to Hillary Clinton in the manifesto as well. It's a very, like I said, it's a very interesting read because it's like so unlike every other manifesto and that it's not this pompous my, megalomaniac, like megalomaniacal character. He's literally just this working class dude who just yeah. was put through hell from the LAPD and was like, OK, this is the only way I'm going to be able to like bring justice, like attention to this. And the reason I joined the police was because I believe in justice. Yeah, see, seeing those parallels is like really it's it's really heartening and and I think the thing the thing that we have to consider about uh about Todd uh, about someone who has gone uh on a career arc from like college comedy sex comedy movies to like Scorsese fan art is like what's uh like we have to kind of not really spend too much time worrying about the writer's intention but I do. Yeah. <laughs> I I do do that. Uh because I'm not, I'm just, from watching this movie, I don't feel like I have a clear idea of where he's, where he falls on these issues. And I think that he might possibly, I can't quite tell, I would have to watch maybe more of his movies, but he, he might be doing this thing of just like, man, society listened to this crazy guy. Isn't this all fucked up? Fascism's good. <laughs> I, so my, my actual, like, th- and this is another reason why, like, I, I've kind of been very, like, anti- rehabilitating the Joker and falling for the inkblot test Mm -hmm. is because to me, a very key tension of the film is that the protesters believe in something and Joker doesn't. Yeah. And so their essentially idolation of him is portrayed as naivety. Yeah. And that is like an element to the film that to me introduces this idea of like the protesters are also wrong. 
<laughs> because it's like the protesters think that you know this is like a class uprising thing but it's like it's not really it's just one guy who's gone like off the rails and like that like like because like we, we joker is a villain joker is a villain who loves chaos mm-hmm. the film presents justified protests as a form of chaos that he's in, in engineering yeah uh, and then, you know, this stupid shit where it's like, and then they killed Bruce Wayne's parents, and it's like, and that's how Batman was made, so you know, it was bad. Yeah, which, <laughs> by the way, when when the guy kills uh, Bruce Wayne's parents, he's like, this is what you fucking deserve, or something like, which is like the exact same line that Joker says when he kills uh, the Jay Leno character. Oh, which right. Which is really on the nose. Yeah. Uh, and, like, I think that's kind of where the movie is a little bit like, wow, violence. SMH. Wow, <laughs> wow, you guys, we should have just protested. Can't, yeah, I cannot believe how violent Antifa is. <laughs> First milkshakes, on, now on, killing Batman. Come on, come on. <laughs> First milkshakes, now killing Batman. Also, did you notice the super rats in that scene? The what? Oh, the super rats? So you remember the start of the film when they say super rats? Yeah. So for the rest of the film, I kept seeing these things like on the street in various shots. And I was like, is that a raccoon? Like, what the fuck is up with these like big ass like raccoons? And then at the end when it's sh- it's pulling out and Batman is standing there like, oh, mommy, I shit me pants, sent me pants <laughs> uh, over his dead parents. As it's pulling out in the background, two giant fake CGI rats run by and they're the size of small dogs. And that was when I realized those are the super rats. That's so That's comic what book. I've been seeing in this movie the whole time is fucking cartoon giant rats, <laughs> which I assume is a metaphor for the corruption. <laughs> <laughs> for capitalism. It's for New York. New the York. fat rats of society. <laughs> the fat cats in Wall Street. Oh. Uh, yeah. I. Uh-oh. Looks like I got on the subway train to Congress because all these clowns. <laughs> I think I'm just done with 70s New York pastiche. Like, there's other places. It, New York's not that bad anymore. <laughs> it's really not. Stop, I mean, stop making it bad. <laughs> here's the thing about New York. It's it's kind of... It, the, it's starting to feel very Seattle, from what, from my impression of it. Like, the cops on the MTA and shit. Like, yeah. that's so Seattle. Uh, like, it's... It's very New York for people to put up little signs of just, like, swipe it forward, you fucking piece of shit. Yeah. And then it's also, like, very cryptically not New York for them to start enforcing it. <laughs> like, that's kind of freaky. Uh, so I think that would be an interesting movie about, about like, 2020 New York. Yeah, like, what 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 is the arc of New York now that it's trying to clean up its... Im- now that it's basically trying to do Giolani 2.0. Yeah. What or- was What was his policy, the broken window policy? I feel like like, there's this weird thing where New York isn't so much like New New York pulled down America's image in a sense. And now it's kind of trying to like level itself off in this very weird way. Sorry, what were you saying? Oh, it's it's like his broken window policy was like that. That was essentially what was the cleanup of New York, which is like, if you got a broken window in a house, you got to fix it. Otherwise, everything else will go to shit, which basically meant. If you see uh, a minority on the street, you got to arrest them. Otherwise, everything else will go to shit. Uh, as, as is very, very famously well established that the NYPD did just exactly just do that constantly. Yeah. Well, they... Still, under under the broken window policy. They still be doing that. Yeah. Love, love our stop and frisk, boys in blue. <sighs> kill all cops. Kill, yeah. Go, Dorner was right. Go, <laughs> Dorner was right. Go kill a cop. That's that's the official film critter's uh, <laughs> stance on Chris Dorner is that he was right. He was. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. 
Except uh, about Hillary Clinton. Yeah, except about... I mean, you know, whatever. And the Hangover movies aren't that good. <laughs> <laughs> Agree to disagree on that one. Strange I, movie. Weird movie. Weird and now we got to talk about The Girlfriend. <laughs> the Girlfriend. Yeah, I was wondering um, what we wanted to talk. I, 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 I'll bring it up now. I think... The, the I think the way that those scenes play out is so bad because it was like they were sitting at the typewriter and they were like, what if like he's like starts dating this girl and she's like cool and she's a mom and they get along really well and she talks about how big his dick is. <laughs> and then like it turns out that she's not real and like like in Tyler Durden, like in Fight Club. Yeah. And then they started writing that and he was like, shit, it's really hard to write scenes where a person isn't actually in it. <laughs> so he just didn't. Yeah. <laughs> So she's just, like... She's literally, like, not in the movie. Like, it's very easy to forget that she's actually there. <laughs> she doesn't have any lines about anything. She uh, doesn't... In, there's no attempt to make it look like she interacts with anybody else. There's just nothing. There's just nothing there. Like, I, I, what do I talk about? You could... Li- that's why I want to talk about it, because I'm like, that is, like, an entire subplot that could be cut from the film. It feels like it's a leftover draft. Yeah. Like, because it's, like... Maybe at some point they were going to use it to talk about, like, the further ways in which he's isolated. He doesn't have any support network. He doesn't have, like, someone who, like, loves him in a way that his mother doesn't. Right. But then it's like they don't do anything with that. Like, there's no... there's Because she's so underwritten and, like, they didn't know how to support those things, they literally don't have a way in which her absence from his life in film means anything. Because what it just means is that in all these scenes that he thought somebody was watching him do something... Somebody wasn't watching him do something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I would have been more compelled by something, and and I think to also Christine does does this a little bit better. But I, I would have been more compelled by like a sort of relationship that is like more well, obviously more written for yeah. one thing, like written at all, uh, and more about the hallucinations of just like interpersonal dynamics and like how you can kind of lose track of like because i i do see that in joker's character of just like not really reading the room and i think his failure to read the room would have been more compelling than just oh this thing you thought was happening like that's compelling to me as a mentally ill person the, the idea of like this thing you thought was happening is not yeah happening uh but it's not compelling to me in the way that they showed it which is like the laziest way they could have possibly done. Oh, have her like like they kind of start to build it up a little bit, maybe where she's like she sees the newspaper and she's like, "Wow, I bet that guy who shot those three dids is really cool." <laughs> yeah, and that's like literally that line happened. I'm like, oh, she's not real. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like people don't talk like that. And I was like, but it would been more interesting if like you know like oh he has this supportive role, but like she's playing like kind of a toxic like force in his life like she's encouraging his worst behavior and then it turns Mm -hmm. out that like he imagined this person who would just condone and encourage his worst behavior Mm -hmm. that's interesting or like maybe the opposite that like she's tempering a lot of his worst behavior and then when it turns out she's not there he feels like he's he loses the ability to temper his behavior even though he literally was the only person tempering his own behavior yeah but she just doesn't do anything she's not there yeah. They also fuck up, and when they have the flashback shot where it reveals that she's not in the hospital, her jacket is still on the chair, because I guess they didn't want to do a second take where her jacket's not on the fucking chair. Oh my god. Because <laughs> she takes it off and, like, puts it on the chair behind her, and then she's like, I'm gonna go get up and get a coffee, and they just cut back to the shot where after she had left, so her jacket is still there. That's really harebrained. 
that's like, come on. Come on, Todd. I love how, like, there's this attempt in the film to, like, write it as, like, a 70s and 80s movie. But then they still have the part where uh, Jay Leno, Robert De Niro shows a viral video on his TV show. <laughs> In, like, the 80s? That, yeah. Where he's like, you know, I just got set this video. And it's like, I that was got... recorded a week ago. In, like, 1980, you would have seen this, like, two years after Joker died. I just got sent this cringe compilation. Let's watch this viral media. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I, I wouldn't hit subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that was so, like, yeah, that, that was part of the movie that just felt, like, super fucking stupid and didactic. And I also want, I also, like feel like the movie is really, like, hiding under the comic book thing, uh, which I do want to say, to, like, hide it under this sort of stylistic, like, oh, it's supposed to be fucking immature and, like, underwritten, uh, because it's, like, a comic, kind of, and it's, like, didactic and, like, n- all of this, none of this stuff would happen in real life. Jay Leno in the 80s wouldn't make fun of some rando or whatever, uh, or maybe he would, I didn't fucking watch Jay probably, Leno because I'm a millennial. Did. I mean, Jay Leno would do the bit of like, here's a funny newspaper story. Woman loses head in car accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Women well, drivers. <laughs> like, that's Jay Leno. Yeah. Uh, it, it's hi- the movie is hiding itself behind yes. uh, behind its Spider-Man tidy whities Yeah, and, and I think that that's doubly damning because like, DC is a big fucking corporation. Like, you're not, you're not fooling us. You're not diluting the brand. I've seen the other, I've I've seen some of the other DCU movies. Yeah. There's nothing to dilute. <laughs> I I watched The Dark Knight. The I watched that oh. fucking fascism com- commercial. God, that movie. Which fucking reeks. <laughs> yeah. I, I like I think Joker has a place as like one of the things that's interrogating that aspect of Batman and like that that aspect of just unquestionable fucking authority. Uh because, like, Dark Knight sure didn't interrogate that aspect. Like, yeah. And that, that's the points that I do want to give Joker. Um, but that's, like, a crumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because uh, Dark Knight just did not even think about that aspect at all. <laughs> or maybe it did, remember, which is remember more in chilling. The, remember in Dark Knight when he just is the NSA? Fucking, he literally <laughs> becomes the NSA, and it's, like, good. And it's like, no, it's fine, because he needs to do this to catch one One person. One person. Why can't he just wiretap that guy's house, perhaps with a warrant from the courts? No. He's got to <laughs> listen to everybody at all times. What? Perhaps due diligence? Oh, no. Actually, no. That's... No. No, he needs this in order to stop Joker from doing all his joke crimes, which he doesn't do anyway, so it actually isn't fucking pointless. <laughs> don't happen. It's it's, it's a par- It's a Paul Schrader movie by somebody... Who does not like Paul Schrader movies, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Schrader being the writer of uh, First Reformed, Mishima. Right. Taxi Driver. And Taxi Driver, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I like... And, and Paul Schrader has had more, like, growth yeah. in his career than this movie is, like, like willing to kind of point out. Like, ha- like, having seen First Reformed somewhat recently, too, like, the, 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 the way in which that movie both makes a much more solid political stance while yeah. also introducing the idea of, like... This character who's about to undertake extreme political action might not be doing it so for the best of reasons. And he might be motivated by, like, interpersonal struggle and mental health issues that he is denying himself and being like, no, no, I'm doing this for political ideological reasons. Yeah. Is, like, really makes how much more damning the Joker is. Yeah. (laughs) Where it's like, it's like, maybe they resist 
Or maybe resistance is bad. <laughs> Who can say? Who could say? Yeah, I'm the wait, Joker, like, baby. I don't believe in anything. Knock, knock. Who's there? <laughs> it's chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, First Reformed is a way better movie about that impulse because it's it like grapples with the human aspect of of like that kind of political act and that kind of self sacrifice uh, in a way that feels in a way that feels really real. Um, it even has the the idea of like a projected, potentially imagined relationship yeah. being like a, an actually seriously well-handled handled element of the film. Yeah, big time. Uh, and another another thing that I like would recommend to our audience is like a, another movie to maybe check about if you're looking, or to maybe check out if you're looking for something about like political or, or like class solidarity is actually one that we just saw and we're probably going to record a film creators. Yeah, no, I was actually going to ask if we wanted to, have we, if we've seen enough other movies that we can do a, a two, two movie episode of that yet. Uh, I think so. Well, do you remember what the other movie was that we were going to talk about? We were going to do Beyond, Between Two Ferns, but I decided I didn't want to watch that. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I mean, uh, Between Two Ferns is kind of has an interesting... I would say Between Two Ferns has an interesting relationship to, like, Joker in insofar as it's, like, about a, like, ill main character who is causing all of his own problems. Who, But but it's also, like, Between Two Ferns is a little bit more cognizant of how stupid that looks from the outside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas Joker is not. Um, and, and uh, but yeah, we saw, we also watched a movie called... Uh, Give Me Liberty, I Give believe. Give Me Liberty. Is the exact name? I'm going to double check that. And it's, it's it's one of those movies where it's like the name is like, you know, a, a kind of a, a phrase taken from a larger thing. And so whenever I try to remember it, I'm like, uh, it's called like Liberty or Death. <laughs> it's called uh, the Constitution, yes. uh, fucking Pledge of Allegiance, uh, something. But uh, it's, yeah, it is Give Me Liberty, which is a much better movie about class solidarity and politics. Yes. It, super, super good. Highly, highly recommend. Uh, it, is, it is also very unex- unexpectedly, like very funny but not in a, like, laugh-out-loud way, but in a, like, you-start-nervously-laughing way. <laughs> yeah. In, in, a way in, in a way that, like, Joker does a really bad job of portraying the day-to-day, like, idiosyncrasies that drive people up a fucking wall about capitalism, uh, whereas uh, We the People, or whatever the give, fuck give it's me, called, Yeah, Give Me Liberty. Give Me Liberty, uh, like, is about that. It, yeah. it, it is just that. It is like here are here is the grief. Here is the like being overwhelmed. Here is, you know, the pressure, the conflict. Yeah, oh, God. yeah. Every character in that movie is so like thoughtfully written. Mm-hmm. It's also like one of the most like humanistic movies I've seen this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, because so, give me liberty. Uh, fuck it. Let's just do a review of Give Me Liberty in this episode. <laughs> Joker and Give Me Liberty two part episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fuck it. Uh, I'm pulling it up so I have the character's name. Um, is about Vic who drives, I forget what those are called, but it's uh, like accessibility vehicle. Thank you. Accessibility vehicle. So he essentially drives like a, a a thing that allows him to like pick up, um, multiple elderly. Yeah. The small buses. Yeah. The small buses that are essentially built to be as accessible as possible because they're for elderly and usually physically handicapped and occasionally mentally handicapped individuals. Uh, he works for this company where essentially like he is assigned to like, you know, you have to go pick up this client and take them here and this and that. Uh, and on the day in which he is trying to do his job, it is also his aunt's mother's funeral, grandmother, grandma's funeral, I believe. It's yeah. Someone in someone in his family. And like, there's just all of this whole snafu where he has to get this entire like Russian family 
across town, but there's a protest. But there's protests going on, and he's, like, also kind of, like, the caretaker for his grandfather, and there's just, like, it's just everything is constantly building up on its... Each thing that can go wrong goes wrong, and these things just keep building up, and he just keeps being, like... There's this, like, great running bit where, like, every time he's getting yelled on over the radio, he's like, ten minutes, I'll be there in ten minutes, yeah. and it's never ten minutes. It's the whole... It's, like, a day. Yeah, it's a whole day, and then it just, like... It just keeps getting worse and worse, and then it finally just reaches its, like, peak, and then it all just drops away, and he has this, like, great, just small series of interactions with some of the other characters. Yeah. Where he kind of, like, finally is able to, like, actually do something for people. Yeah. In a way that, like, is successful and, like, meaningful to them. And it's a very... And all of this is also framed around this sort of recurring thing where it's just... It's an interaction that he has. The implication is either sometime in the future or sometime in the past... Um, mm-hmm. with a man who is completely bedridden where he is smoking cigarettes and Vic is, like, basically, like, relighting his cigarette and, like, taking it away from his mouth so he can exhale because yeah. the man is, like, completely immobile uh, as the guy is just talking to him about, like, you know, like, life. He's just talking about, he's like, like, this is what you need to do in life. You know, like, you need to find people to love. You need to find people that you can care about. I can tell that you're someone who, like, cares a lot about helping people, but you seem, you strike me as someone who, like, tries to do that too much and like you got to care about your own dreams as well yeah and like that's sort of the frame of it is like this recurring scene of just like him in like at like dawn talking to this like client that he works with about life and smoking cigarettes with him Mm. Uh, there's also a very erotic sauerkraut scene there is there is actually (laughs) there's a scene where it's an extremely like russian immigrant movie because there's a scene where two people like kind of romantically and erotically like get try to open a sauerkraut bottle for five minutes yeah it's an incredible and when they finally open it it literally like sprays out and they like (laughs) lick it off it's such a such a fucking funny sweet movie uh (laughs) it's it's incredible it's so it's so personable and there's a there's a such a wide like variety of characters with different like thing like they they cast actors who are like acting for the first time in their life and there's an actress there's like an actress with down syndrome that does an incredible job all over the place there's just these incredible performances uh and and it, and it like really restores person or like really portrays the real personhood that like disabled people have yeah and like the personality and like the contributions and and it's like there's this kind of like perception where uh and and i i think that it plays into this idea that joker is peddling where it's kind of just like there should not be pain i should just be able to have a good life yeah uh whereas give me liberty feels more like it's kind of just saying like there is pain and there is grief and there is no meaning and so like that is why you know, and and we are is, all exhausted yeah. to our to our fucking breaking point. <laughs> yeah, and as such, solidarity. Yeah, and as such, love, and as such, like all of these, all of these. Things. And the title of the film is "Give Me Liberty." That's like yeah. very. It's very like kind of on that nose, and it's 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 great because yeah, it's it shows like a solidarity across like v- very many different groups and struggles and issues, and it's just all is sort of this built idea of like we gotta like watch each other's backs. Yeah. Like the the times in which the characters are essentially successful moving forward is when they work together. Yeah, absolutely. And they don't there's not there's never a point in the movie cuz like as as a like bougie little shithead audience member, I was like, "Oh, I would I would never put myself through this." But like that's the fucking point. Yeah. It's like it's like he puts he the main character puts more issues onto himself because he knows that he like 
owes things to people. He has responsibility to his to his society as a person who is able to drive, able to walk, able to lift. Yeah. And uh, like those are three values that we do not really like address or talk about as like workforce things uh or or just like as like community things that you can just do to materially help people. Like you can lift? Great. Not everyone can. Yeah. No, and I cuz like the other thing I like about it is that it's like um the the vibe I get from the film is that there's this sort of way which like Vic is sort of a shadow compliment to to Joker and that he's also got issues very clearly going on that he's in denial about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also put in these caretaker positions. And the thing that I like about his character is that sort of the lesson that he has to learn over the course of the film is that, like, you know, it's okay to, like, want better from, like, like the world around you. Yeah. Like, you don't have to... Because, like, he's someone who has surrounded himself with so much of people that, like, needs his help, and he helps them, and, like, that is never portrayed as, like, a bad thing. But, like, there's this contrasting character who, like, literally scams his way into hanging out with them the entire time, like, by just pretending to be related to the woman who's dead. God. Um, and, like, the guy is presented very much as, like, he's kind of sleazy. He's taking advantage of the I situation. I don't even know if he was scamming them, like, because it was... He's just there. <laughs> he's just kind of there, and he's like, "You're all right. You're part of a family, whatever." Like, and then he, and then he like helps out with a lot of stuff, but like, he he just has no aims. I the the char- I I took that character as like his motivation is ba- is literally just going with the wind. Yeah, is it, just doing whatever like seems fun at the time or like is interesting. Yeah, and he's like the ultimate contrast to Vic, and the sort of thing that I get from that is that, but also that's what pulls Vic out of it and makes Vic realize that like, hey. Sometimes I have to make a choice. But yeah, essentially essentially Vic's like realization is I can't help everyone all the time if I want to help people. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I, I ha like not even like he's like I have to be like, ah, fuck you, but just like this realization like so much of his problems in the film are are based on him trying to help everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and he ends up helping nobody because of it. Right, absolutely. And and he ends up and he ends up like you know hurt, harm, hurting himself in a in a general sense because at the end of the movie I think he gets like fired or something or like reprimanded. It's yeah he, near the end he gets fired and then he gets like rehired because of an emergency. It, he gets fired in the way that you get fired from like a like minimum wage job where they're yeah. like, all right you're fired anyway be in on Monday. <laughs> yeah anyway actually you're not fired we need you to come back in. Yeah because <laughs> it's Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, and and like there's this whole thing of just like when he finally um it, it kind of portrays the importance of accepting like him accepting help and care and and like advice and just like rest. I'm pretty sure the character's name is Tracy from looking over it. But I like her character. So Tracy is um she is a like disabled character. She's portrayed as in a wheelchair, but she is essentially portrayed as like the literal, like, primary income source of her entire household, which is, like, yeah. several older, like, several older people and, like, younger, like, cousins or even, like, maybe siblings of hers. Yeah, and she works as some sort of, like, counselor or something. Yeah, like, like the implication is that she's she's somehow involved in social services, and so she also, like, similar sort of field to Vic where she works with, like, disabled and elderly people to, like, help them get jobs and help them secure things, and that... It's shown over and over again that, like, essentially the entire household that she lives in is dependent on her and how much of, like, a stress that is on her and how difficult that is for her. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it it builds up to, like, this really cute dynamic where, because, like, Vic and um, Tracy are butting heads initially because she essentially is 
unable to meet any of her clients because of the shit that's going on. And then, like, by the end of the film, they're, like, friends kind of implicitly, like, maybe romantically involved. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's this... It's this really complicated thing where, like, yeah, she she spends, like, most of the movie, like, furiously fucking angry at Vic and at, like, her situation. And she's she's also portrayed in the movie as having this, like, weird relationship with her boyfriend. Oh, right. I which, forgot about that. We're... Yeah, where he, where he is, like, not able to, like, care for her. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, it's pretty, she's like, oh, I got you a sword. And they have this, like, kind of almost cute interaction. And then, like... It's, like, really weird. It's just, like, a scene yeah. where she's waiting in the bus for, for Vic to come back. And so she has her boyfriend come over. Um, and she's with her client. Even afterwards, she's like, that was weird, right? Yeah. And she's like, that was weird. Like, he was acting weird. He was acting really weird. What's going on? And, and it's like, like, they're about to move in together. Yeah, they're, they're about, about to move it Because she's like, oh, do you want to take your gift? And he's like, you know what? Um, I'll, I'll get it from you later. And yeah. she's like, that's weird. Like, why, why would you? Like, I'm in a bus. Like, why are you not going to take your gift? Yeah. And, and and it's like that's a that's a very real moment of like where she's like looking out the window and like realizing that the walls are like kind of maybe closing in on her. Yeah. Oh, because she because she's like she has like a big breakdown about it later where she's like, I can't continue living in the house that I'm living in. Like it's yeah. it is too much for me. Yeah. Yeah. God. What a what a like sweet and thoughtful movie. <laughs> yeah, it's really really incredible. It, it, like, it, I'm glad we actually ended up waiting until we saw Joker to talk about it because it really does contrast a lot with Joker. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels a lot more. It feels a lot more honest and it feels a lot more like studied, honestly. Because like, there's this part. It's like one of my favorite parts in the movie where there's this huge argument where Vic is just like in the house for some reason and like they're trying to get him to help bring the mattress That's... up the stairs which is funny I... and then like people are like why is there even a mattress here yeah why is there... it's like the old one is gross I'm not laying on I don't know they're <laughs> arguing they're like don't put that mattress in the house it's got it's I bet it's got bugs on it and they're like no take the mattress upstairs no do not take it upstairs <laughs> and everybody's like listen I gotta go like like you're you're that you're, you're your daughter is here, like, I could take her. Yeah. And then he leaves. And then, like, later that day, he comes back, like, that night, and the mattress is exactly where he left it. <laughs> it's, like, such a... It's, like, not, like, pointed out. It's just such a perfect joke. It's just like, yeah, the second you left, they just gave up. Yeah. <laughs> Stopped trying to move it upstairs. Which is, like, real. Yeah. So fucking real. Uh, like, I've had... I've had... I don't know. I, I've had I've had my old bed sitting up in my front yard for like two hundred years. Like that's bullshit. Uh, I, I also love like the bit where like when they finally get to the funeral, which like despite that seeming to be the main plot of the film, happens like kind of like halfway through it. Yeah. Um. And like it's this whole like just like mess of like emotions, and uh-huh. they're like arguing about what songs to sing. Yeah. And like it seems it's like, like a this, Bulgarian song or yeah, Russian song. It, it seems like this culmination of like a, a really good moment, and then the guys who because like they get there late, so like they're like, we, well, we waited, but we had to fill the dirt uh and then the guys who like the grave keepers who were working on it then like oh the photo fell over and they lift it up and it's the wrong grave (laughs) (laughs) and they're like wait this isn't her and they're like well you didn't tell us who you were here for we were just (laughs) you just came up to us while we were burying a grave and so like they have to go across the graveyard to a different grave and they're just like should we do it all again and they're like fuck it." it and it's it's so it's so real because like the yeah shit doesn't really work out perfect yeah keep going keep doing it uh and the other scene that i really loved was when they were arguing (coughs) when they were arguing at the dinner table of the family's house uh and the the boys were like yeah no we're going out to hang out we're gonna go to the studio we're gonna record music uh and he and he like 
you know, starts rapping for a little bit and they're like, uh, uh-uh, uh, like you're, you're going out to do bad shit. <laughs> and then, and then it turns out that like, no, they were going out to go to a protest because of a black kid that got shot by the cops. Yeah. Uh, uh, but that's, that's like another, it's, again, the thing I like about this film is that it's a lot less willing to shy away from making stri- like strict messages. A very major black, or a, ma- a very major like background to this movie is like a uh, sort of pseudo Black Lives Matter yeah. protest is going on during all of this. Yeah. And, and it's like very stressful because you have like these disabled characters who are in the middle of a crowd that's getting like pepper sprayed. Yeah. Uh, and it, and the movie really, really shows how fucking scary that is it's oh the, the editing uh we haven't even talked about like the editing and directing and like visual sense in this film is like perfect yeah like that scene is like so dissonant and like disorienting in the exact way that being in like the middle of a crowd like during like a protest or some sort of conflict or clash feels getting a wheelchair through a crowd uh does not happen yeah you don't do it and it doesn't happen and it won't happen <laughs> uh, <laughs> unless like and and that's kind of like you have to be like a really bold per- you have to be like get the fuck out of the way uh for people to actually like, get the fuck out of get the, way. the fuck out of the way um so like for that for that to have be happening in a protest is like yeah the movie does a really good job of portraying that I, if i remember like i think the way they, they kind of set it up in the film is that like she says that she's there to give bail to one of the protesters who was arrested so like the crowd kind of like pushes her forward essentially because yeah. they're like oh yeah like no that's what we're here to yeah, protest she needs to she needs to go right up to the police <laughs> yeah. line because <laughs> uh, like because like the big thing that becomes stressful in that is because they're pushing her forward but it's still a very crowded protest uh vic isn't able to go forward because yeah. he's not the one to fail for a protester <laughs> yeah absolutely god what a what a good fucking movie yeah so if you if you get a chance to see it if you want to feel better yeah, <laughs> like uh, but also Joker. feel like kind of worse for at some point. There's some like real stressful, upsetting scenes in that movie. There really are. Uh, but it's it it all works towards a very, I feel like very kind of like uplifting, positive ending. Yeah, it, nothing is really resolved, but you get this sense of like the characters have like l- kind of like let themselves relax. Yeah, after spending a whole movie just stressed out. <laughs> I, I yeah, and I do think it's a little bit of an arc of like. Like that's kind of the arc of the movie is like people's decision making and and what the me versus other people sort of caretaking uh, thing that we all have to kind of struggle with um, as people in a relentlessly capitalistic society. Uh, you know, it's uh it's tough out there. So uh, in short, yeah, in short, give me liberty or give me jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's all put on a clown mask and, uh... And, and hold up a, a printed sign somehow that says resist. Yeah. <laughs> went down to fucking In Kinko's the... before my protest, apparently. <laughs> went, on, went on down to the fucking 70s print shop. Yeah. I... The... I, I, hate, I don't I hate to return back to Joker. I hated the contrivance of everything that happens in the studio scene where he's like, well, you're not wearing this clown makeup as a protest. He's like, no, I just like clowns. I used to be a clown. Yeah. And like the idea of like the dude who runs essentially the Tonight Show of Jimmy Kimmel in this universe being like, oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. I'll buy that. <laughs> oh, all right. Work. Oh, OK. You look exactly like the clown from the protests. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You, you, ins- you specifically inspired people to uh, protest against wealth and inequality. Oh, 
Oh no, you're just a clown man. You're just okay. a funny, fun clown man who likes to wear, who likes to make the jokes and have the squeaky shoes. Okay, that's fine. Because it's so weird. Because then it's like they portray him as like he's like kind of a dick to Joker sort of thing. But then it's like in that scene, it's like you're like defending Joker's honor to dress up like a clown. Like no fucking producer in their mind would take that level of a risk of just yeah. like yeah, let's have the 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 guy that I'm having on the show because he's mentally unstable is dressed up as a politically radical figure. But he says it's just a coincidence, so I guess I'll I guess I'll buy it. <laughs> God. Or like the scenery just keeps letting Joker talk and get up more and more upset while like all everyone is like, hey, let's cut. And yeah. he's like, no, we gotta finish this interview. And it's like, no, he wouldn't. Like a guy like no that fuck would... it, no fucking Jay Leno. Jay Leno sees a tiger and he's out the door. <laughs> Three popcorn bags out of ten. <laughs> So I, I I don't necessarily I don't know if I'm so inclined to do the the our usual value judgment with yeah. regard to with regard to give me liberty. Um, yeah, no, cause, I know because I, I think I think I'm fine just saying if you get a chance to see it, please do. Uh, please do. I don't know necessarily what its movie distribution. We we got to see it at a local independent theater here, yeah. kind of on a whim. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty small production, but it's definitely worth worth seeking out. Yeah, I I uh, imagine it will probably come to Canopy or some such thing. Like yeah. it'll probably come to like smaller. Uh, streaming things if, if but if you get a chance to see it i definitely recommend it it's a very thoughtful little film yeah definitely uh, and with regard to joker uh as i'm far f- as... totally fine ranking that on a capitalist yeah <laughs> yeah uh, what would you have rather spent your what 12 bucks on uh yeah something like that um clown makeup you know i'm still thinking about a halloween costume uh sound off in the comments yeah let's just go as various jokers yeah let's just let's just all be jokers let's just be jokers i'm gonna be the mark hamill joker the gay one (laughs) i i wish i wish us didn't come out quite so early in the year it feels like the the tethered group cosplay oh that would be so good that would be really good uh i was thinking about being the may queen but i don't want to be accused of being a fascist that's so here's the thing that's great um Baru, is as a as a blonde white girl living in the Pacific Northwest <laughs> um you can do like literally anything like that and people will just assume uh you're uh dumb Becky who doesn't know what she's doing I am you 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 have dumb Becky privilege thank you so much that's the greatest <laughs> thing anyone's ever said to me I am a dumb bitch uh I will not be I will not <laughs> I will not be dressing up as the fascist. I will not I, I will not be uh uh capitalizing on my privilege. <laughs> okay, one thing I will say uh as a as a um to try to sell you on between two ferns the movie. Yeah. There's a point where <laughs> Zach Galifianakis is having like a really like honest conversation with his like coworkers who are like helping him throughout the movie and he's like, "Yeah, I'm just really happy that you guys uh are helping I, I'm really happy that you guys recognize my skills in interviewing and are helping me capitalize on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. <laughs> really funny. The other really good line in between two ferns of the movie is when his ferns get run over by a truck and he he picks them up and in the middle of the road he goes, My ferns are ruined <laughs> I'm ruined <laughs> Anyway, between two ferns is pretty funny. It's all right, I'll, I'll give it a check out. Uh watch you woo. What would you rather have spent your twelve dollars on instead of Joker? Um, shit. Uh, shit. Yeah. No. Uh, I you know I like I like the Joker's Trick account. I, I if they had like a Twitch stream, they do that awful Twitch stream. If they had like a donation thing, yeah, just give it to them. I'm yeah, sure because I, I, I just trust that they would spend it on something better than Joker. Yeah. Because <laughs> I because I know that he that he has already said that he does not want to see the Joker movie because it looks bad. <laughs> Which is like 
the funniest thing to me is that the guy who runs the Joker's Chick account is like, I'm not going to go see the new Joker movie because it looks bad. (laughs) Well, that almost feels like the whole point of the account. It was like around when the movie was like kind of announced and someone was just like, fuck this. Yeah, (laughs) Joker's Trick. Joker's Trick. Uh, If you haven't had a chance to check out (coughs) Joker's Trick on Twitter, I'm certain that you, I'm almost certain that you have, but if you haven't, please. I'm sure you've posted, uh, I'm sure that you, the person listening to this, before even getting this far, posted some variation on the Joker's Trick joke down below. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Comment Joker's Trick down below if you, if you enjoyed the video. Uh, And yeah, we love the Joker's Trick. I would not rather have spent my ticket price on being Joker's Tricked. Joker's Trick. Uh, what are you, what are you glad you spent your $12? I guess not, not being Joker's tricked would be Yeah, not being. Um, I guess I'm glad I didn't spend it on, like, so I saw The Dark Knight twice back in 2004 when it came out. And that, <laughs> back in 1999 when it yeah, came out? Yeah, uh, and that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that. I, I, would rather, I would rather, I, I'm glad I spent it on Joker and not accidentally doing that again somehow. Yeah, I, I... I did. I, I did watch Dark Knight on an IMAX screen in two thousand eight. Um, oh, that was it. Yeah, two thousand eight. And I remember watching, or I remember like my friend being really excited, and I remember walking out and being like, "Yeah, that was cool," and having <laughs> nothing more to say about that shit. I, when I saw it the first time, I was like, "That was really good." And then the second week, like my other high school friends who didn't get a chance to see it wanted to see it, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I'm eighteen. I vaguely have disposable income for the first time in my life. Yeah, I'll, I'll go see a, a movie twice." And the second time I watched it, I walked out and I was like, "That sucks." Yeah, I like the the the, the second the just seeing it again made the the mystique of it wear off. And I was like, this movie is a mess. (laughs) The first time I was like, wow, a lot happened. And I feel like I got my money's worth. I'm a teenager and I don't really complicatedly read into media. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, wow, I wonder why this is the longest fucking movie anyone has ever made in their goddamn life. It's so fucking long. Uh, Christopher Nolan needs to go back to making Memento or uh, The Pianist or whatever the fuck he makes. (laughs) Well, he's, he's kind of technically back... Of that he's making World War II movies, which I don't honestly fucking... great because then I don't have to see them and I don't have to hear people talk <laughs> about them because who fucking sees World War II movies yeah. in 2019 besides people who fought in World War II? <laughs> oh god, which you know, when fucking Dunkirk came out, it was all old people seeing it, I'm sure that which is why it probably got nominated for Academy Awards. Yeah, yeah, fuck you, Dunkirk, fuck you, Dunkirk <laughs> stands. If you watched Lincoln, go s- fucking suck yourself off, old bitch. Uh, and that's what we think of movies. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening to our movie review podcast. Um, uh, <laughs> thanks for watching our movie review podcast. We will never watch a war movie. <laughs> we will. Yeah, don't make unless us they any unless they for movies. some reason do a remake of Come and See. We're not going to go see a war movie. Oh my god, Joker! Joker was muddled and complicated. Not good. Not bad. Whatever. Yeah, I guess see it if you want to join the conversation. Join the conversation. Uh, <laughs> uh, fucking Antifa for life. Uh, Dorner was Here, correct. Here's the thing. Go watch We the People, because that's a movie about what it's really like to be Antifa. Yeah. It's not It's not a bunch of people with, like, oh, I guess we gotta fucking fuck up the Wayne family. It's, it's like... You know, I never thought about how the Ridge was fucking us over until that guy shot three people on a subway train. <laughs> now it's all I think about. <laughs> Antifa's literally all people who are just like, I am trying to live my fucking life and I'm going insane. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Um, 
really, really milking the name processes for, for this film critter's processes. Yeah, so I hope you enjoyed us talking about Joker and also for 20 minutes or so talking about... Uh, a better give, movie. Give, a, a good movie, yeah. Um, a movie that we actually would want we're, to we're talk about we're more. Sneaking in, we're sneaking we, in a little sandwich for you to... to, to <laughs> it's, the pill, it's the pill and the peanut butter. <laughs> it's the pill and the peanut butter. Yeah, you, you thought you were just going to learn about Joker? <laughs> we're going to talk about this other movie that you should see instead. Yeah, for real. It's like a, a movie that I would rather have spent more time talking about than Joker, but because of, of Joker being Joker, there's so much more to talk about. Life yeah, placating, uh, which I love to do. Uh, all right, I think we're done. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm over now. No more. <laughs> no more Joker. No more Joker. Bye, Joker. Bye, Joker. Uh, and bye to our to, to our viewers. Uh, and if, viewers. You, if you support us on Patreon, you can hear episodes like this three days early. Yeah. Or uh, and. A million infinite days early because they don't go public. They're only for Patreon people. We do a series called Film Creators Throws It Back. Which is the same sort of format as this, but with older movies that you, yes, you, yes, get to vote on. You, <laughs> the viewer. Uh, which, yeah, this week, uh, or no, this month, we're doing Haosu, uh 1977 classic, which I love and Jay hasn't seen yet. Yeah. Um, the theme is experimental horror. Yeah. And Haosu 1. Haosu 1. And then next month, is going to be boom. Uh, not. <laughs> I, I, sorry, the Halloween got in me. <laughs> no, the Halloween got in me, and I almost just went like boo, <laughs> boo. Next month, uh, boo. Bong, just a <laughs> boo. Uh, Bong Joon Ho's in anticipation yeah. of Parasite. So we're going to be having his movies up on the <sighs> docket to vote for. You. The thing you must know about Baru is that she is a stan. For forever. Bong, forever for Bong Joon Ho, uh, who is yeah. And I'm literally shaking with excitement over Parasite, uh, which I which I haven't had a chance to see yet, but I'm shortly going to. Yeah, no, it's gonna it's gonna be coming dropping here in Seattle in like two, a week, two weeks. Uh, yeah, a little over a week, or nice. under a week, five four five days. Shit. Uh, so yeah, be excited. We're gonna talk about Parasite. We're gonna talk about Haosu. We're gonna talk about uh, whatever you guys vote on as far as other Bong Joon Ho films. And yeah, thank you so so much for joining us. Yeah. I, as always, am Baru. I am Jay Barat. Thank you. Bye. Bye.